Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. This is the second of two episodes where I talk about basic weaves. So weaves made with the basic loom. And in this episode, I look at basket weaves, twill weaves, and satin weaves. I left off my discussion of basic weaves in the last episode by talking about unbalanced plain weaves. And I mentioned that there was one other plain weave variety that can be considered um, part of that plain weave category. So it has a one-to-one interlacing pattern that's called the basket weave. But because it's separate conceptually. I wanted to go ahead and talk about it at the beginning of this episode where I'm talking about the two other categories of basic weaves, twill and satin. So the basket weave has a one-to-one interlacing pattern, but the yarn, the filling yarn, travels over more than one warp yarn. So how is that? Well, it's because we have yarns two or more warp yarns that are being treated as one warp yarn. So they may be, uh, in, they're always interlaced together. In fact, they may be have, have been threaded through the same heddle. And this could be done in order to make the setup of the loom quicker. So these fabrics can be manufactured very quickly. The purpose is just to get the yarn out there. Uh, and they are very often used for things like sailcloth, canvas, or uh, monk's cloth even is a category because the monks wouldn't, wouldn't want to waste time weaving when they could be praying. And so we'll see that this filling yarn still has an, a one-to-one interlacing pattern. But when we look closely, there's two warp yarns underneath every interlacing knot one, or maybe three warp yarns under every interlacing. Now, uh, this gets a little more complicated because we could choose to either have one filling yarn being interlaced with these two or more warp yarns that are acting as a group, right, threaded potentially even through the same heddle in the harness, or else in uh, uh, right next to each other in one harness that, that they're always being raised together. Right, so we would put uh, yarn one and two through heddles in harness one, and then yarn three and four through heddles in harness two, and then yarn five and six through heddles in harness one, and yarn seven and eight through heddles in harness two. So when we lifted harness one, we'd be lifting yarns one, two, five, and six, and when we lifted harness two, we'd be lifting yarns uh, three, four, seven, and eight always, right? So those two yarns are always being treated as a group. And so if we only had one filling yarn that was being interlaced with those two or more yarns being treated as a group, we would call that a half basket. But if we had two yarns that were interlacing with two filling yarns, so we literally had two yarns together on our shuttle and we're pulling them across together, wow, we're just really weaving quickly here, then we would have what's called a full basket. And a full basket is when the proportion of warp and fill yarns that are being treated as one are equal. So if we had four warp yarns being treated as one and we had two filling yarns being treated as one, that would still be a half basket. I don't know what we do about one to three or two to three, right, or some other odd number. Uh, Those don't happen very often. Very typically, we just have a half basket, which is one filling yarn for every two warp yarns, or a full basket, which is 
two or more to every two or more. Uh, so two by two or three by three or four by four would all be categories of full baskets. And in fact, monk's cloth is what we call it when we have uh, three by three or four by four, typically made from wool. And uh, whereas Oxford cloth is a two by one, so two warp yarns to every one filling yarn made, uh, Oxford cloth would be a medium weight. Canvas and duck or sail cloth would be heavier and heavier. And uh, you can understand if you had to power all of your ships to run your entire global trade empire, you would want to be able to weave this fabric as quickly as possible. So definitely look up some interlacing patterns for basket weaves so that you can tell the difference between a half basket and a full basket. Because if you have a half basket, you might be looking at canvas or oxford or sailcloth. If you have a full basket, you're probably looking at monk's cloth. That's the basket weave. So if somebody asks you, you can actually say, yeah, I just learned about basket weaving. Terrible joke. All right, let's talk about twill weaves. Twill weaves are a totally separate category of basic weaves. They're not considered plain weaves. And that's because they have a distinguishing feature on the surface of the fabric. The very short floats, when the uh, warp yarn travels over uh, two or three yarns before interlacing again, means that we get this distinctive diagonal pattern on the surface of the fabric, and we call that diagonal pattern a whale. It's called W-A-L-E. I think this word whale might be, I'm not an, an etymologist, I'm not an entomologist either. I'm not an etymologist, although I like etymology. I think the word whale in this case may be similar to a word that we would think of as wheel, W-E-A-L. And if so, if anybody ever said, you know, oh, my daddy just wailed on me with the paddle, right? Um, then uh, wheel is the, the stripe of raised skin that's created by being hit by like a stick, right? A wheel. And so I'm pretty sure that that's where we get this whale from. It's like a, a stripe of raised area. So if we see whales on the surface, the whales are like the ribs in the unbalanced plane weave, but those went from side to side in the crosswise direction. These whales go in the diagonal direction. So they're not ribs, they're whales. Uh, we'll use a, a loom that has at least uh, three or more harnesses. Four is pretty typical because we will have the yarns being raised typically in sets of two, but in a progressive pattern. So if we had yarn one in harness one, yarn two in harness two, yarn three in harness three, and yarn four in harness four, we would start by lifting harness one and two, right? And so uh, three and four would uh, be the unders and one and two would be the overs. But the next time we would lift harness two and three. So now one, which was an over just a moment ago, is now an under. And three, which was an under a moment ago, is now an over. So this is how it shifts. The little two yarn float shifts to one side. And then we would lift yarn three and four. And then we would lift yarn one and four. And then we'd start over. So one, two, two, three, three, four, one, four. One, two, two, three, three, four, one, four. And so if you're weaving a twill, you get this pattern. Typically, you're stepping on the pedals that raise the harnesses with your foot, right? Kind of like playing an organ. 
And uh, really about the only thing we can talk about in a twill is what direction that whale goes in, right? Did we do one, two, two, three, three, four, one, four, or did we do uh, three, four, uh, two, three, one, two, one, four, right? That's, that's which way did we go? Uh, obviously it can go in the right-handed direction or the left-handed direction. Lucky, we don't use S and Z here. We just talk right and left. So if it goes up and to the right, it's a right-handed twill. And if it goes up and to the left, it's a left-handed twill. So you could probably look smart when you mention that. But in terms of identifying, you know, what's the difference between gabardine and cavalry twill, there really isn't a quick and simple way to do that. So I'm not going to um, dig into that too much. I can tell you about two kinds of twill patterns that you can identify with your eyes. The first one is houndstooth, which is basically a plaid only done with a twill weave. So if it was plain weave, it would be a plaid, but if it's twill woven, then it creates this houndstooth effect. And that's because the square in a plaid ends up kind of having jaggedy edges where we uh, do that um, slight diagonal pattern, right? So um, I don't know, somebody named it after their dog's teeth, I guess. The other one is called a reverse or broken twill. And this is where we set the loom up so that uh, first we put the yarn in one, two, three, and four. But what happens if the next ones we do, uh, we put the fifth yarn into harness four, the sixth yarn into harness three, the seventh yarn into harness two, and the eighth yarn into harness one. So we now reverse the direction that we were going, right? So we had our diagonals started in one direction, and then now suddenly they're going in the other direction when we lift the harness. Well, we wouldn't do it with just eight yarns. We would do it over, you know, an inch or two inches of fabric, and we create a design that's called herringbone and very often done in two different colors, right? Uh, uh, well, the filling yarn is one color and the warp yarn is the other color. And uh, so black and white, for example, if we had white filling and black warp, we would end up with black stripes that kind of came down at an angle on the fabric. Uh, so if you're thinking about 12 fabrics, you just want to look for that whale and identify that the warp yarns are going uh, over more than one filling yarn at a time, or the filling yarns are going over more than one warp yarn at a time, but it's in this diagonal pattern. So not like a basket weave where they always act together, but in a diagonal pattern. Like uh, basket weaves or um, satin weaves that we'll talk about in a minute, these floats where the yarns aren't interlaced with every other yarn, it means that there are fewer interlacings, which means that the fabric is a little bit less strong. Uh, we'll be able to get a higher thread count because interlacings take up space. So if we're skipping an interlacing every third yarn, then we can get a third more yarns in. And uh, so we'll have increased yarn twist, which makes up for the strength we might have lost with interlacing up to a certain point. They are more easily unraveled but the plus side is they don't wrinkle quite as much. And that's because the yarns can slip around a tiny bit, right? So they don't, they don't, they can evade a wrinkle that they see coming. So that's really all there is to say about the twill weaves. It could be a whole world in and of itself, but because there isn't a quick way to really uh, describe the difference between the different types that you could use in a, in a purchasing setting, um, I don't want to get too deeply into it. Let's talk about the satin weaves. Now the satin weaves have a much longer float 
So they will go over four or more yarns. So there is no distinguishing feature on the surface like a whale. The distinguishing feature is that one side has very long floats and the other side kind of has this random pebbly look. So it's they're not reversible. Twill weaves weren't reversible either. We always have a right side if you think about it. Your jeans are twill woven. Denim is by definition a twill weave. And if you look at the back side of denim, you can see more of the filling yarn and the front side you can see more of the warp yarns. The warp yarns were dyed with indigo, the filling yarns are left white. And so, you know, you can see that that's not reversible. Satin weave is the same way. There's a definite right side and a wrong side to satin fabric. They have a roughly three to one balance. So we can get three times as many warp yarns as filling yarns. So if we have a 400 count fabric, then we could say, ah, there's 300 warp yarns and 100 filling yarns. And the interlacings are four times less than a one-to-one -one fabric, right? Potentially, it depends on the number of uh, the length of the floats because it's four or more. With the satin fabric, uh, there's a couple of main things that we could use to talk about them. Uh, the first is which direction the long floats go in because in fact we could have the long floats as warp yarns floating over filling yarns or we could have filling yarns floating over warp yarns right and so we either have warp faced where the warp yarns are the ones that mostly show or we could have fill faced where the filling yarns are the ones that mostly show and i only bring that up because in a minute i'm going to explain that one type of fabric is more commonly warp-faced or always warp-faced. Another type of fabric will be uh, either or. So satin fabrics are always warp-faced and they're made with filament yarns and they have very long floats. So if you are buying a set of satin sheets, then the satin sheets will have, will be made with filament yarns. So they're either silk or they're synthetic. In either case, like they were either really expensive or they're not going to be very absorbent, which makes them not very comfortable for sleeping on all night. They certainly are very lustrous and they have a very smooth surface. However, they snag very easily, which means they will not be very durable. This is where the lie about thread count really comes to play. To get that really high thread count, we had to reduce the number of interlacings, which makes the fabric less strong. And now we also have fabric that's more uh, vulnerable to snagging. So it was really not a good trade-off to have that many yarns in order just to brag about a number. Uh, satin fabrics basically have the fewest interlacings. So satin, warp-faced, made with filament yarns and very long floats. We're really going for the shine of the filament yarns. Uh, Back in the day, very often made from silk, nowadays from any filament, synthetic fiber, or silk. Now, sateen, on the other hand, so S-A-T-E-E-N, so satin only with the een, is basically satin's poor country cousin. Sateen is made with spun yarns, very often cotton. It can be either warp or fill-faced, and that's because um, with the satin, we would have the long filament yarns that are very strong and can withstand the tension of weaving. Go ahead and have those in the warp direction, right? And then uh, we can really pack them in because they're so nice and small. Whereas with sateen, we really don't have a, the size advantage of the filament yarn. So we'll just uh, basically do whatever works best for, our, um, for the particular yarns we have.
shorter floats so the fabric isn't quite as shiny. But if you buy sateen sheets, they'll be made from cotton, so comfortable enough to sleep on. They'll have a nice high thread count, but they will not be any higher quality or more durable than a plain weave fabric with a lower thread count because that plain weave fabric with a lower thread count had more interlacings. So sateen, spun yarns, satin, filament yarns. You can see why I shoved basket weaves into this particular episode because, right, uh, I barely, I, I don't have anything more to say about plain weaves at this point. And uh, so we didn't have a balanced uh, podcast ratio here. And we didn't quite have a two to one, but uh, well, now I'm just talking, so I'll let it go. <laughs> 